Hey, this is Ed Luther, pastor of City Church in Australia. I hope that today's podcast really inspires you. Thank you so much for listening. Wonderful. Thank you. You may be seated. Thanks. What a great bunch of musos you have. Let's give them a hand. They're awesome. Yeah. Well, it's great to be here. This is my first time here at uh, City Church, and I just want to honor your pastor uh, and uh, Ed and, and Gail. They're, they're a wonderful couple. You, you're so very, very blessed. You have a, a ministry couple here that are not uh, fly-by-nighters. They, they've been here for a long time, and, and uh, apparently Ed's going to live to be 110, so uh, he's going to be around for a long time, yeah. And uh, he, he, I think it must be the water up here. Everybody looks younger than what they actually are. It's, a, it's absolutely amazing. And uh, I'm uh, so blessed to uh, have the opportunity to speak here this morning and uh, I just had a real sense that God is is going to do something good in this church. Do you believe that? Just uh, I mean he has already but I think that that you're just on the crest of of God really really moving in a powerful way and um, I think that as you just begin to believe and expect God you'll see God uh, do some incredible things. Let me tell you a very quick overview of my life and then um, we're going to uh, look into the word of God. Um, I was born in Newcastle in uh, New South Wales. Anybody? Oh, we've got one, one Novocastrian up there. Glory to God, the good-looking one. Yeah, that's the one, yeah. And um, when I was 19, I went to New Zealand to go to Bible College in Lower Hutt in uh, Wellington. We have some Kiwis here, yeah. And uh, any other Kiwis here? Yeah, half the church. Most of New Zealand's over here. Apparently, our government wants to send a lot of them back, but, but no, not the ones that are here, though. They're all good. All the ones here are great, yeah. In fact, my wife is a Kiwi. So I went to New Zealand to go to Bible college. I met my wife. We got married, and we had our, our eldest daughter there. Three weeks after she was born, um, we uh, came back to Australia where I had a, a, a position as a youth pastor in the church. And uh, we were here in Australia for about five years. Then we went to the Philippines uh, uh, as missionaries for 13 years, did church planting and Bible college uh, work and, and so forth, a lot of uh, ministry uh, around the country and uh, uh, seminars and so forth. And uh, so we, we had a great time. During that time, our son was born there. Uh, we went with two little uh, children. Uh, oh, sorry, our second daughter was born in Australia. First one in New Zealand, second one in Australia. Then we went to New uh, to the Philippines, and our third child was born. So we had children in every country. And, um, and uh, they were raised there during their time. They went to an American school, and they all have American accents. We've tried to give them tablets to bring back their Australian accent, but it doesn't work. I don't even think it would work on, on your pastor either. But um, we're so blessed. They're all serving God, and we're very, very happy about that. We came back to Australia where I was based in Melbourne in our uh, mission uh, head office there for the um, uh, Assemblies of God or ACC. And uh, then 17 years ago, we moved up to Brisbane to a a church that was struggling. And uh, God has blessed us in that time. We have a fantastic church and God has done some great things uh, during that time and we're so excited. But today... um, Oh, there's the clock. I was looking for the clock. It's... But today I want to share with you um, from uh, Psalm 73. This is one of my favorite psalms. And I want to talk about perception. 
Have you ever had a time in your life when you have thought it really isn't fair? Anybody ever done that? When things are happening in your life and you think it's just not fair. You see, perception has an element of deception about it. We can, we can perceive things and they can be good things and they can catapult us into something awesome or it can drag us back if we have allowed perception to become a deception in our life and hold us back. And that's exactly what happened in this psalm with uh, the psalmist here. You see, perception can affect our attitude. It can affect our, our well-being. It can affect our alignment. It can throw us off or keep us on alignment. Uh, it can motivate us. And it affects every single area of our life. It's such a powerful thing in all of our lives. Um, it, it can affect our spiritual life, our, our emotional life, physical, and also our relational life, our relationships. Have you ever gone into a building like this, maybe a church, and you walk in and you see some people talking over here and one of them looks at you like this? <laughs> you think they're talking about me? Have you ever had that? Because not in this church. They just, well, they would. They'd be saying how awesome you are or something like that. Probably saying how awesome their pastor is. Yeah. So, so that's awesome. Okay, let's, let's have a quick look at this psalm. And uh, then I want to tell you a story at the end that I, uh, about a person who was in a, an incredible situation and God touched him and he was able to keep his eyes on Jesus. His perception wasn't skewed by deception. And, uh, and it's a powerful story that will encourage each one of us. But let, let's have a quick look at, this, at the psalm. And we're going to go through this very, very quickly. It starts in Psalm uh, 73 and verse 1. It says, Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. So we see here the psalmist begins the psalm by actually making a statement of the goodness of God. How many people here believe God is good? God is good. He's always good. He never is never good. He's always good. And so this here, you see the psalmist, his perception is right at the beginning of the psalm. He's, he's uh, in alignment with God and he's able to see things the way that they should be seen. God is always good. And I'm sure that all of us think, you know, when we think about God, we think, yeah, God is good. But have you ever had a time in your life when things have gone wrong in your life and you begin to doubt the goodness of God? Sometimes that can happen in people's lives when, you know, God is blessing you and then all of a sudden your world falls apart. And then you begin to, first of all, you begin to say, get away from me, devil. And then after a while, when it just doesn't go away, you begin to doubt whether God really, really does love you. Especially when you begin to see uh, other people who are godless people, people who don't know God being blessed and, and you're serving God and everything's going wrong. That's exactly what happened here uh, in this psalm. Verse 2 says this. So, so the psalmist starts out by saying that God is good. And then in verse 2, he starts with, but. Anybody here ever said but? But. You know, but. As for me, so he's saying, God is good, but as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold. He was beginning to have a battle in his mind here. Uh, you see, jealousy and envy will always give you wrong thoughts. 
You'll always have a battle in your mind when you begin to envy and, and uh, think that others are, are better off than you. And that's exactly what happened here. He says in verse 3, For I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. You know, he had served God. But look at the wicked people. They're, everything is going right for them and everything is going wrong for me. They're, they're, they're being blessed and, and I'm being cursed. It's not fair, right? Have you ever, ever felt like that? It's not fair. It goes on in, in verse 4. You see, you might think the ungodly are getting away with their sins. And if we do think that, it can skew our perception. Deception can creep into our perception and take us down a path or down the rabbit hole we shouldn't go down. It says in verse 4, they have no struggles. This was his perception, that the wicked people, they don't have any struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. He says in verse 5, they are free from all burdens common to men. They're not plagued by human life. These are all the wicked people all being blessed. He says, therefore pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. You know, they walk around proud they're not violent, uh, they're, they're, they're violent in, in different areas and they seem to be getting away with it. It says, from their callous hearts comes iniquity. In uh, uh, verse 8, it says, they scoff and speak with malice. In verse 9, it says, their mouths lay claim to heaven and their tongues make possession of the earth. Verse 10, therefore, their people will turn to them and drink up waters in abundance they and then they go on in verse 11 and say that they say how can god know does the most high have knowledge in other words he's saying look that they're just doing anything that they like and they seem to be prospering in their wickedness it's not fair everyone say it's not fair it's not fair, is it? When you see people that don't love God, that, that uh, mock God, that, that cry out uh, in arrogance and pride and everything's going right for them and you've been serving God here in Maruchidor or even maybe even in Christchurch and you're going through a hard time and you're thinking it's not fair. Why is that and what that can do is that can skew your perception and deception can begin to creep in because it just isn't fair. And then the psalmist goes on to say in verse 12, this is what the wicked are like. They're always, always carefree and they increase in wealth. Oh, oh even that's hard, isn't it? When you've been serving God, you have given your tithes faithfully. You have given in the legacy offering. And you see all the wicked people getting richer and you just... It's just not working for you. It's just really, in a sense, when you really think about it, you, you feel sometimes a little bit like the psalmist here, don't you? You feel that that it's all happening for them and it's not happening for me, right? And this kind of thinking or perception 
can, can bring discouragement. Anybody being discouraged because they've seen others being blessed who don't deserve it? Right? Surely you deserve it more than them because you've served God. You were a Sunday school teacher. You, you go to church every Sunday, twice. And even during the week, to your Wednesday meetings, while the sinners are out sinning, and they're rich and healthy and wealthy and wise, they're not humble like me, right? And this kind of thinking can make us feel very discouraged because what it does is it, it uh, takes us out of alignment. Ever try to drive a car that's not lined, the wheels are not lined up? You know, you let the wheel go, it shoots off. It's a little bit like that. We've got a lot of Christians who need a big wheel alignment. Anybody here need a wheel alignment? Huh? Trying to go that way and you end up going that way? We all at different times. You know, you have a car, you you can buy a new car and hit a bump and it's out of alignment. You can be a godly Christian and hit a bump and bang, you're out of alignment. That's why we've got to continually be looking at that and, and coming back. Just because we buy a new car doesn't mean it'll be in alignment forever. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you're perfect. In fact, I can honestly say this is a church for imperfect people. Turn to the one next to you and say, you're not perfect. Okay, turn to them now and say, you're not as perfect as me. Is that right? No. So listen, listen to what the psalmist said here. He said in verse 13, surely in vain I have kept my heart pure. In vain I have washed my hands in innocence. He said, all that I've done for God is worthless because God's blessing them and it seems like God is cursing me or maybe God isn't even there. God doesn't love me. Verse 14 says, all day long I've been plagued. I've been punished every morning. So every morning when deception has wrecked your perception, it seems like every morning you're punished. Verse 15, if I had said I will speak thus, I would have betrayed my children. In other words, he said, I I really shouldn't be speaking like this. Then he says in verse 16, now this this is really, really important part of the, the text. When I tried to understand all this, it was oppressive to me. So when you try to understand or figure out the fairness in it, Life isn't always fair, is it? It's just not fair because God's blessing them and he's not blessing me. And when I try to figure out why, I just get depressed, angry, upset, right? But I know you're not like that, but I'm just saying this is a psalmist here, like, like this. But something happened, and, and in verse 17 is the pivotal point of the psalm here, and, and you can read it if you've got, got oh, you'll see it up on the screen, yeah, behind me, if you can see past those guns, you know. Okay, so it, it says, 
Well, let's go back to the, the verse before. When I tried to understand this, it was oppressive to me. Then he says, till I entered the sanctuary of God, then I understood. You see, before that, he didn't understand why it's not fair. But when he entered the sanctuary or when he came into the presence of God, what happened? His perception came back into alignment. And he could begin to see and to understand. And you know what? You might not understand why God is doing or or why things are happening in your life. And the best way to understand it is to come into the presence of God. It's to come to to church, to worship God, to get into your your closet, prayer closet at home and begin to pray and let the presence of God come into your life. And then all of a sudden, when you're out of line, you'll start going straight because your perception will become clear to you. And so it was when he entered into the presence of God that everything became clear to him. And then he says this, once his perception was cleaned up, Once the deception had gone, this is what he said. Verse 18, surely you had placed them on slippery ground. You cast them down. So all of a sudden, he's seeing them for what they actually are. He's saying, before he was saying, you know, they're blessed. They can do whatever they like. They're rich. They're wealthy. They're healthy. And now he's realized that may be true, but they're on slippery ground. In other words, they can lose everything they've got really quickly. He's all of a sudden looking at it differently. In verse 16, he says, How suddenly are they destroyed completely, swept away by terror? How suddenly the reality of of their um, steadfastness has come to him and he realizes that, wow, they might, you know, it might seem like they've got everything and they're getting away with everything, but, but any moment it could just vanish from them. He says in verse 20, as a dream when one awakes, so you arise, O Lord, you will despise them as fantasy. So their living will be swept away. So what happened is this, that the psalmist was beginning to see them in the real light that they were in, and it was changing the way that God, uh, that was changing the way that he thought of himself. Because at the beginning, he thought that, he was down and they were up. But now he's realized that, that they're, they're going to slip, they're going to go. And really, um, he's in a different position for himself. And so this, these verses right up into verse 20, 17 to 20, talk about his realignment. He was going through the realignment, the adjustment stage. Then in verse 21, he has a, a revelation or a realization of who he is. And it's so important for us to have a revelation of who uh, we are in Christ. (coughs) Verse 21 says, When my heart was grieved and my spirit was embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was like a brute beast before you. Yet, in verse 23, yet I am always with you. So all of a sudden he's realized his place. He's realized how blessed he really is. We used to sing a song many years ago, many years ago, called uh, Count Your Blessings. Anybody remember that one? Count your blessings, name them one. Count your blessings, see what. Count your blessings, 
give yourself a hand. That's good. And all the young people are gone. Where are all the flashing lights? But it's true. If, and when we start to count our blessings, then we realize really how well off we are. He goes on to say, and I'll be very quick. He said uh, uh, that you're always with me. 24, you guide me with your counsel and afterwards you take me into glory. In other words, um, he's with us. He guides us. In verse 25, he says, whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing to desire. All the wealth and the riches of all these people that are being blessed, it means nothing to me because my alignment is in God. My perception is in uh, the way that it should be in God. Verse 26 says, my flesh and my heart fail, but God is the strength of my heart. Here, before he was weak and angry and upset, but all of a sudden he went into the presence of God and he realizes that God is with him, God guides him, and God will strengthen him. It says in verse 27, those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. And then... The last verse, and everyone says, thank goodness the sermon's almost over. <laughs> the last verse is really a big swing around. Back to the, the first verse, it says, But as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made God the sovereign Lord of uh, my refuge. I will tell all of your deeds. So in other words, what he's saying is, wow, you know, I was seeing things wrong, but now I realize that, that uh, it's good for me to be near God. So he, he says that because he knows that when he's near God, his perception is right. That's why it's so important to be near God. That's why it's so important to read the Word of God every day. That's why it's so important to pray every day. That's why it's so important to go to church every week. Not every month. Every week to be near God so you can come in and get a wheel alignment. So when you see people coming in and getting their coffee and they're like this, you say, well, they need a wheel alignment. And so you come in, we all need a wheel alignment once a week so we can keep going straight. Is that right? So what do you do when you feel like, like you've got nothing, when everybody else is being blessed and you're not? Get into the presence of God. Put your faith and your trust in God. Let me tell you a quick story about a guy by the name of uh, Johnny Hammond. Johnny Hammond is uh, uh, an Afro-American. He's, he's, he died a number of years ago, but he, he was a good friend of mine. Uh, when he was 65 years of age, younger than what I am now, he came to church. Or, well, we actually were having a tent crusade in the Philippines. And uh, he walked by and he, he heard the music and, you know, uh, being uh, an American black, you know, they've got rhythm, you know. And, uh, and he came, he stood at the back and he's tapping and music. And then, then the preacher preached and, and he came down at the end of the, the preaching, right down to the front, gave his heart to Jesus. And uh, he's about six foot seven, big, massive, massive God, big barrel chest. And... Uh, I uh, and then then he went away. The next night he came back with his family. He had he had a wife and four children, and uh, 
And uh, he came to the front. I said, hey, Johnny, great to see you back. Uh, what's this? I didn't know he was married or whatever. He said, oh, this is uh, my family. He said, they want to get saved. Mm-hmm. Now, he was uh, uh, in the Marines during the Second World War uh, in um, Asia. And uh, after the war, he stayed in the Philippines. He never, ever went back to America. He stayed in the Philippines. He got really caught up in the um, club scene. He was a real, he was a bouncer, really tough, really tough dude. I spoke to people who knew him in that time and they said he was the meanest dude you'd ever, ever, you never want to come across him at night in a dark alley, you know. Um, and so uh, he said, he marched them down like they were in the military, you know, and, and he said, they want to get saved. I said, is that right? Said, yeah. And so they all got saved that night and he joined our church. And he began to serve God. And he, his wife was quite a lot younger than him, many, many years younger than him, and they had children. And um, he was 65 at the time. And uh, he worked as a motor mechanic, and he earned about $50 a month. This was back in 1985, all right? Uh, $50 a month, which was reasonable for people. And they lived in a, a tiny little Nipa hut in a field under a big mango tree. And uh, they came to church. They didn't have a lot of money. They would walk to church um, a, a lot of the times, and it would take them a while to get there, but they, they would come to church where we had uh, started a church. And uh, anyway, one day I heard that he got sick. He had a heart attack, and I went round to visit him in their little, their tiny little Nipa hut, which honestly would have been uh, about from here to the screen this size, and, and the whole family lived in it, one room it was, and they cooked outside and there was long grass, you know, for the bathroom and stuff. Anyway, um, so he, he was there and he got sick and I went around to visit him and I said, Johnny, I said, uh, you know, what does the doctor say? The doctor said, I'll never be able to work again. I said, what are you going to do? He said, I, I really don't know. I said, look, um, look, we'll, I'll get, get a sack of rice and some food and everything will be cool. And uh, we'll, we'll figure something out. I said, you're in the military, right? He told me about the times. He said, yeah. I said, can't you get a pension from the U.S. government? He said, well, Pastor, he said, he said I've tried. And, and they've turned me down three times. I said, give me all the stuff. I'll go and sort those Americans out. Yeah. <laughs> so he, gave, he, he had a little box uh, in the corner and he showed me his papers and I, I took them. And I contacted the American embassy and, uh, or the veterans part of it. And I said, look, this guy's in my church. You know, he fought for you guys. What's wrong with you? If he was an Australian, you know, we'd look after him. <laughs> anyway, the guy, uh, the case officer that had done it before said, look, I tell you what I'll do. And I explained that he was sick and he had no way to, uh, you know, earn money or whatever. He said, I tell you what I'll do. He said, I'll look into it. Anyway, so I said, thank you. I'll, I'll get back to you. And uh, so we, we bought a sack of rice for Johnny and, and his family. A month later... I uh, was driving along and I thought, oh, we'd better get him some more rice. They'll be out of rice. So I got one of the pastors in my church to take rice around to him, uh, a big sack of rice. So he, he, he took it out of the car and he carried this big sack of rice and he came round to this place where the Johnny's hut was and, and uh, he cried out, uh, Johnny, Johnny, I've got something for you. Um, and uh, and but, but what you don't realise is just before this pastor got there, um, Johnny's wife had put a bowl of rice on the, on the box. They didn't have a table, it was a box, uh, where, which was their table. And she said, this is the last. 
this is the last of the rice. This is all we have. We don't know what we're going to feed the kids when they get home from school. And do you know what John, Johnny said? His perception was right. He said, if this is the last of the rice, we're going to believe in the promises of, of God. Like Pastor Chris said, we need to. He's our provider. We can put our trust in him. Things might look bad, but we're going to believe God, that God is going to do something good. And he, and he told me, he said, I put my spoon into that rice and he heard the pastor call out, Johnny, Johnny. I've got a sack of rice for you. He looked at his wife. See? He had one bowl of rice and then all of a sudden he's got a sack of rice. And so he got out and gave, you know, our pastor a big hug and which you never want to do with this guy. He was a big guy. Anyway, the next day I called up the embassy, the American embassy. And I got onto the guy and I said, look, I'm just following up. How's it all going? It's been a month, you know, the guy still can't work. And he said, look, I've got some good news for you. I said, oh, thank you. What is it? He said, look, we, we looked at the case and, and we've decided that we should give him a pension. And the pension will be uh, 600 US dollars a month. Now, he was earning $50 a month, right? And he would get this for the rest of his life, $600 a month. And so I said, oh, that's awesome. That's fantastic. And he said, uh, but, but uh, uh, there's more. I said, really? I thought he was going to get it steak knives or something. I don't know. But anyway... <laughs> He said, there's more. He said, we really looked into it. We really should have been paying him for a while. So we decided to give him a back pay. He said, we're going to give him $600 a month starting immediately and $6,000 back pay. And he was earning $50 a month, $25 a week. And so I said, wow, that's awesome. I said, when can he get it? He said, he can get it today. He said, well, we'll, I'll get the check cut and you can... That was back in the day, you know, when we had check. And uh, I said, well, don't go away. I don't move the embassy. Um, I'll go and get him and I'll bring him there. So I I jumped in my car and raced. Well, as fast as you can go in first gear because of the traffic. Anyway, I got there and I... And I got out of the car and I ran down this little pathway with tall grass and I ran around and I came to his little hut that was there. I said, Johnny, Johnny, I've got some, I've got some good news. And he climbed down from his little hut and he came, oh, pastor, you have no idea. And he grabbed me and he squeezed me into his big barrelly, hairy, sweaty <laughs> chest. He said, oh, pa-. he called me Reverend. Reverend, he said, <coughs> I have one bowl of rice. And then all of a sudden, I trusted God I had a sack of rice. And as I'm, you know, being squashed into his uh, chest, <coughs> I'm thinking, wow, I've got to tell him about the money. I said, I pushed him away. I said, uh, listen, I want you to know that that's nothing. I said, I've just been to the embassy. They're going to give you $600 a month. And he said, oh, glory to God, Reverend. He grabbed me again. <laughs> As a sweat started to squash into my face. And then I thought, gee, I haven't told him about the back pay. So I pushed myself away from him. And I said, that's not all, brother. They're going to give you $6,000 back pay. And I got away from him before he could grab me. Do you know that was two weeks before Christmas? Two weeks before Christmas. And he said to me, he said, oh, pastor, yesterday I had one bowl of rice. One bowl of rice. And today, then I got a sack of rice. And today I got a pension. And and I got 
$6,000. He said, uh, oh. And so he, he was crying. I was crying. Have you ever been with a man this tall crying? We were weeping. And his wife was crying under this mango tree in the humidity of Manila. And then I got a thought. I thought, I said, we're going to have to stop crying. Go and get the money in case they change their mind. So we got in the car. We raced down to the embassy, which took two hours through the traffic. And we got there. And I met the guy that I've been talking to on the phone. He got the check and he, and he gave the check to Johnny for $6,000. And he said, every month the money will come. And, um, and, and he held the, the check in his hand. Uh, and he said, you know, Pastor, he said, I've never, ever seen this much money in my life. He said, you know the first thing I'm going to do? I said, what's that, John? He says, I'm going to pay my tithe. And I said, why do you think I brought you to the embassy, brother? I'm your pastor. No, no, no. no. So we laughed and we joked. He had, didn't have a bank account. We helped him open up a bank account and, and, and uh, open up a, a way where he could get the money uh, sent uh, to the bank every month and so forth. And... Uh, and his life ne- never changed from serving in church. He served in church. He bought a jeep. He bought people to church. Bought a house. I mean, God just blessed him. And and and, but he didn't change in his heart. And uh, and uh, anyway, a month or so later, I said to him, and I have to be quick. Sorry, Pastor. I said, look, um, how's everything going? He said, oh, Pastor, there's been a problem. I said, what do you mean? And I'm thinking, oh no, they're going to take it off him. And we've already spent the tithe, you know. <laughs> I said, what's the problem? He said, well, he said, when they gave me the pension, they didn't realize I was married to a a Filipino lady. I said, oh, really? He said, yeah. They thought I was single, so now they've doubled it. (laughs) Is that good? And then he said, and they gave me another back pay of $6,000. I thought, man, this is awesome. And so he said, I'm coming down to pay my tithe again. I said, oh, and we were rejoicing. Anyway, um, the, the story just never stopped. He just, God kept blessing him. One, not so long after that, he got a, the, the check came through with uh, his surname and not his first name. It was another name. And uh, he took it back to the embassy and said, you, you put my name wrong. They said, oh, no, no, that's for a guy in Mindanao, the other side of the country. He said, well, you know, my brother's first name was that. He lost complete contact with all of his family all those years. And uh, so they, he said, oh, can I find out where he is? So just in case. And so he came back and told us, so we sent one of our pastors to Mindanao to find this guy. And you know, it was his brother. His brother was living in the Philippines. He'd married a, a Filipino lady. And, uh, and the brothers met up and he was able to tell them what happened to the parents and these brothers and sisters. And, and it was just an awesome, awesome story. And his son that, that was in children's church in our church grew up and went to the U.S. to become a Marine. And uh, just uh, like his dad. And, and it was a life that was changed because I believe he kept his perception straight. He didn't get up, said, oh, it's not fair, you know, all this and that. But he kept his perceptions right, and God blessed him and honored him. The musos can come, thanks. That would be good. You know, I believe that God wants to do things like that in people's lives here. Do you believe that? God wants our perception. He wants to give us a wheel alignment or a leg alignment or something. And, and, uh, and he wants us to see God as uh, he really is, a God who loves us and cares for us. Amen. Thank you for listening to the City Church Podcast. 
If you enjoyed this message or God worked through you in any way, then please take a moment to contact us through our website at city-church.net or email us your feedback at info at city-church.net.